Hello, this is Ruslan Malinovsky. Hello, this is Roman Yeremchuk. And you're listening to Ukraine Plus Football. He's heading east, he's heading east, he's heading, football's heading east. He's heading east, he's heading east, he's heading, football's heading east. He's heading east, he's heading east, he's heading, football's heading east. He's heading east, he's heading east, he's heading. Hello, welcome to Ukraine Plus Football, the home of the number one English language podcast on Ukrainian football. I'm your host, Adam from Ukrafoot24. A brand new season is almost upon us. Clubs across Ukraine are rebranding, releasing new kits. There's a sense of rebirth and renewal about Ukrainian footballing landscape. None more so than the league itself. The Favbet Liga is no more. All how the Vbet Liga. Vbet, what a great name. Anyway, as always, I'm joined by my excellent co-host, Mr. Zaria Londans. Andrew, mate, Andrew. It hardly feels like we're being away, but football now, it's, is, it, is, it, is it coming home? <laughs> I don't, yeah, it's a different football, let's say. We've been talking about international football for, I don't know how long. Been doing some interviews, doing some other things, and here we are, the UPL is back, the bread and butter. Everything that we all know and looking forward to discussing what we have got coming up for the season ahead could be a very exciting campaign. One that we haven't had for many a year. Agreed completely. But also, as always, joining us, the English-speaking voice of Ukrainian football, Ray. Evening, Adam. Hello, everyone from sunny and uh, hot Odessa. Well, I would say that uh, you cannot relegate from UPL. Delicately put, mate. Uh, anyway, for your listening pleasure today, we're going to risk our own professional reputations. We've been studying the runners and the riders, and we're going to be previewing each of the participants in this 31st edition of Ukrainian football's top flight. For the first time since 2013-2014 season, we're going to have 16 teams, which, you know, really does need to be celebrated. Go Ukraine. Joining us today, though, to provide his own expert insight is our good friend, Vladimir Zverev, host of Pro Football Digital. Verva, great to have you back with us. Hope you've managed to have some break in this, like, non-stop crazy year of football. Hi, guys. Uh, nice to see you. Nice to hear you. And greetings for the, all the fans. Talking about the Ukrainian football, I will completely agree with the Ray, who told that you cannot relegate from the Ukrainian Premier League. <laughs> After 2012, I think just three or four teams relegated for the sports, sportsmanship. I mean, <laughs> I mean, sporting reasons. You cannot relegate if you want to stay. You will stay. Also, the, <laughs> also, you, we can say the, the same about the Persia Liga. If you want to go to the Premier League, you will, of course, uh, join the Premier League. It, it no, no matter, doesn't matter which place you have in the table of the Persia Liga, second, third, or twenty. 22nd. <laughs> and it's a beautiful thing, it really is. It's what we love about it as well. We wouldn't want it any other way. But to kick us off this evening, we've got Shakhtar Donetsk, new manager, new players, and a fancy new kit shown off in downtown Kiev this week. Bova, can you tell us a bit about the anti between the Shakhtar and Dynamo Ultras recently and sort of moving away from the off field problems? How is the team looking going into the season? 
uh, okay, uh, if we're talking about the ultras or fans, uh, it is the one question. The second question, the, how the team playing, how they preparing for the championship. I was talking with a couple of players of Shakhtar, if we started to talk about Shakhtar. Shakhtar played, just played with uh, Obolon. Shakhtar won the game where he had. And uh, Shakhtar was a really good, uh, the players said it was a really good training, uh, trainings, was a really good training sessions. They uh, had a lot of uh, playing with the ball. They have a lot of uh, tasks with the ball. They have uh, a good uh, physical, the new physical trainings. And the players were very, very happy of the training, started, uh, of the starting uh, with the work with the new coach. So they are ready for the new championship and they understand they are ready for the new championship. So uh, the new season, the new Shakhtar, uh, the couple of new players, uh, they have to they have to adopt for the Ukrainian Premier League. But I think uh, if we can, if we see the schedule of Shakhtar, I mean, the first match day and second match day, until the sixth match day, there's no serious opponents for the Shakhtar. Just the teams, uh, Shakhtar have to win if they have a good mood. So uh, Shakhtar will play uh, in the second match day with FC Lviv, for example. And they, they lost to Lviv last season, but was uh, not so good mood and not so good the relations inside the team. Now the relations is okay. New coach uh, joined the team and they are really happy with the start with new job with him. And just in the, se uh, in the seventh match day, seventh match day, uh, uh, they will play with a serious opponent, Nipro 1, the first serious opponent. So the calendar for the Shakhtar, uh, the good. The players will uh, started to feel uh, each other. Nice. Thanks for that. But what about what about the supporters? Now, this this week there was some interesting happenings in Kiev between sort of Dynamo ultras getting a little bit upset about Shakhtar's presence in the city. Would you agree? I, I think not. Uh, this the club of Shakhtar. They uh, had this banner for the Europe for the, in the European Square, yeah, the European House. Uh, they they moved these banners, and I think this uh, not not about the ultras of Shakhtar. It's about mm -hmm. the club of Shakhtar, who wants to like play some mind games with Dynamo Kiev, like they always <laughs> did in the previous season. And uh, Dynamo ultras, I don't know. Uh, is if the club have some with this or this ultras uh, did this uh, just by themselves uh, but they they joined this war and this work just uh, could start it with a new power in this season because they have uh, shared one arena just share one stadium this season and I think uh, that will be not the last uh, battle like this mm -hmm. Oh, it's going to be interesting. I mean, Ray, what's what sort of your opinion on it? It's, it's quite logical, to be fair. Uh, you can expect that such reaction after uh, this um, eloquent message uh, from Shakhtar, uh, as uh, it really reminded us the good old Soviet propaganda. <laughs> not good, old, but not good. It really felt like it, and uh, I really understand the reaction. And I don't think. Uh, this should be happening anymore because that would just end up with the peace agreement broken. So, and we need it. We certainly do. 
But anyway, I mean, Dinamo going into the season as champions, you know, for the first time in a few years. Andrew, I mean, how, how, how's the preparation been going on over there? It's been going slowly. They've had, so far, at time of recording, they've played two training camps. Both of them have been in Switzerland, but the team's been based in France. For the first training camp, the majority of the Euro stars weren't involved because obviously Dinamo's Euro contingent was still on holiday, etc. And they had a few good games, mainly draws, and then a few wins against a few amateur sides, let's say. And then their most recent matches, they've been playing against the likes of Nice, you know, league on opposition and La Liga opposition in Athletic Bilbao, but lost both those matches. One thing that we can say is that obviously the majority of the team's not at full fitness yet. Okay, it's almost the start of the UPL, but Dinamo have actually got a week extra to prepare compared to all the other sides. They start against Veris a week after everyone else due to the fact that Olympic dropped out. Dinamo were meant to play Olympic. Minaya have come in, but they haven't replaced them in match day one. So it's all a bit of a palaver. However, they're still going to be playing on the 1st of August, as far as I'm aware. So in general, Dinamo, I think, have been preparing okay. They don't look amazing, let's put it at that, and they haven't played too well against those better sides. They've still got one more training camp, which is going to come up over the next week, which is going to be in Austria. They're going to play against Union Berlin, a Bundesliga opposition, and Villarreal, apparently. So some, some good opponents there to prep them for both the Champions League and for the um, UPL there. On a transfer front, 50-50 window. If you compare it to Shakhtar, you know, who've signed big money players in the likes of Marlon for about 10 million, uh, Pedrinho for about 18 million, and then Messina Traore for about, I don't know, 15 plus, something around. So big money signings from Shakhtar. And then you look at Dinamos, who have signed um, Ilya Shkurin, who has basically been dubbed as the Belarusian Besedin, who's coming in on loan from CSK Moscow. So there's obviously controversy about that transfer to begin with from a political front, but that's mainly been sort of overlooked at the moment, just on the basis that he's come in. He scored three goals in three starts in the pre-season friendlies. So he's impressed so far. And then there's also Antuch, who's come in from Colos, the winger, who had a few good games last season, in particular against Dinamo. And a lot of people think that he may have been signed off that scouting report against themselves. Leaves a lot to be desired, I think, in terms of strengthening ahead of the Champions League group stages. That's for certain. Obviously, there's still a long way to go. And potentially, they might add some more players there. Eric Ramirez, who plays for DAC or DAC in Slovakia, is being almost signed apparently based on he's got a medical and he potentially may join. And Venezuelan football expert told us that he was involved in the, he got the Slovak goal of the season last year, player of the month twice. He was in their team of the season in the Slovak league and he was apparently Shakhtar's second choice forward after Traore. So all in all, sounds like quite a good um, quite a good signing if that comes off. I think he got in 16 goals and 7 assists in 31 league games. So that's pretty impressive. Obviously the Slovak league's a bit worse quality, but you know, he potentially might solve those issues and goals that uh, Dinamo have been facing. And then there's one more player 
in terms of Kulac, Vladislav Kulac, who was last season's UPL top scorer. Um, is he going to Kerala Blasters in India? Who knows? Currently, he hasn't played almost any part of the second training camp and it seems that he potentially may be being let go. Uh, Luchescu, who doesn't really like him that much can, from the time at Shakhtar and in general. And as a whole, there's expected to be about six players who are kicked out of this sort of training squad so far. And that's going to be apparently confirmed almost is Supraha's not going to play. He's going to be left out. And Benito, who was on loan at Olympic last season. So it's all sort of up in the air. OK, we've got an extra week to go with Dinamo to the, before they can really sort their team out. But it doesn't look very settled and it looks slightly underbaked in terms of them wanting to retain their title against a very rejuvenated Shakhtar. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting rest of the window, I think, for Dinamo, uh, sort of watching them, how, how, how it's been going on so far. Ramirez is going to be very interesting, given his sort of injury record as well. But, uh, Vova, what's, what's sort of your opinion on Dinamo's pre-season? It all looks a bit of a mess from, from where we're sitting. I am agree with this, uh, the words of Andrew, but I just want to add some... Uh, some of my uh, opinions after the watching the couple of games, couple of last games, especially the fresh games uh, today with the Athletic Bilbao. There's a lot of uh, problems uh, with the build-up uh, to move the ball uh, to the final third. And uh, Dimitri Luchescu, he uh, played with a strong opponents because strong opponents, they the game against the strong opponents, it's shown how Dynamo can't uh, make the real build-up, uh, I mean, the level of EuroCups. Mm -hmm. if, if we have an UPL, we have the great flanks, we have uh, great speed on the flanks, and uh, build-up in the final third of when the nine players of the opponent's team is near their area, penalty area, it's okay. But now, after, uh, if Athletic Bilbao couldn't present, they're really good in pressing was today, and they were, and it covers a lot of problems. Uh, it opened a lot of problems of uh, Luchesco. And Luchesco was, he, he, I, I, I don't think he, he sit any minute. He, he sat any minute. Uh, he just, he was moving all the match uh, and. Uh, uh, shown to, by the hands, by the head, by the legs, how to move, how to make passes. And uh, a lot of problems, of course, because Werbich is not the type of striker. If I mean, talking about the today game and of Athletic Bilbao, yeah? if the team, the opponent team of Dynamo Kiev has a good pressing, has a good pressing skills, uh, Dynamo should use, any team should use the long balls. Mm -hmm. to, win the, to win the ball after the long balls, you have to make. You have to. You have to have uh, the striker like Besedin or Dobik because I I know the real interest uh, of Dobik uh, for Dobik of Dynamo Kiev, but it hasn't signed. I don't know yet or not. And uh, they have to have the striker like Lasina Traore. I mean, big, big, big striker. And Dynamo have haven't the striker like this and there was a lot of problems because this uh, solid option for the game is lost now for the Dynamo 
that's what I want to tell about uh, the game of Dynamo Kiev, my, my opinions of the Dynamo Kiev game. Yeah, you're quite right there, the sort of lack of physical presence without the setting. Uh, Andrew, I mean, just to come back to you quickly before we move on, you, you've been talking to the Venezuelan expert about Ramirez. Do you think uh, Ramirez, any chance he's likely to give that sort of physical presence that uh, Vova just mentioned was lacking or...? Uh, is it still early days with us? He doesn't look to be that sort of forward um, from the sort of highlights I've watched, but they're those sort of typical YouTube ones that you can be easily duped that he scores lovely goals from outside the box, can get in and around, looks like he's got a bit of pace. But ultimately, he's not that tall. Uh, Well, he is is a bit. He's like 1.9 metres, so... What's that, about 6-2 or something like that? We'll, we'll see how he goes. Um, as you say, he's got a bit of an injury record, so that might potentially hinder stuff. I think the issue is, well, the thing about the Ramirez transfer is that for Dynamo, it's maybe a bit of a big transfer, just under 2 million. But, you know, it could come in handy from his goal-scoring record that we've already seen. And hopefully it... You know, might even get a bit of an interest in South America for Dynamo and hopefully may buck up a bit of their uh, marketing on top. We can only hope there. Anyway, moving on to last year's bronze medalist, Zoria. I, they've, they've been super busy this summer with ins and outs and everything else. And Ray, how, how's it looking down there in Zaporizhia? Not looking good, to be fair, Adam. As uh, you mentioned, the outs of Zoria and it was the key uh the key process in uh, this uh, summer for them as uh, they lost uh, key men uh, such uh, such uh, as um, yuchenko ivanisenia uh, tziganiks abuhana and vasil who impressed uh, last term itself in the europa league with a couple of saves and has um, secured the win uh, last uh, winter uh, club simply did not uh, opt to um, offer new contracts to those players and it seems like they're waiting for them to leave uh, as uh, free agents. Uh, it's, it's, you don't see that happening that much in any of uh, football league whatsoever. Uh, just letting your best player go as a free agent after he played one year for your club. Uh, those one-year extensions uh, are not provided by Zora, they just sign those one-year contracts and that's probably what they will uh, stick to uh, during uh, the following season as uh, we know that the structure of the club uh, remains uh, stable in terms of agents as Vadim Shabli is in charge there as a general director. He is a bit in a bit of a shadow but uh, we know that uh, if because of that uh, Viktor Skripnik, the head coach for two years already, uh, is now in talks uh, or about his new contract as, and as their CEO said uh, in the interview that uh, they offered him a new contract and they hope that till winter this matter would be solved. This sounds <laughs> a bit silly. Okay, <laughs> let's stick to that because uh, how would you uh, expect your uh, head coach to wait until winter and to make a decision, and uh, this is the most important part of the season, when it all starts. Uh, that's what Zora is about right now, mainly. They've signed uh, a couple of Dynamo players, uh, Bulets and Alibekov, 
they've uh, uh, re-signed a few youngsters and a goalkeeper and also one player from Olympic. I'm not sure if we, <laughs> I need to uh, say their names right now. Let, let them have it on the pitch first. Uh, my opinion of that situation is that this uh, politics, this organization of uh, the club would uh, throw them back at uh, lower 10. Fair enough. It's going to be an interesting one. When I saw Siganics get released, I was thinking back to the podcast we did with uh, Rob uh, Palmer after the, after the Leicester game. And he picked Siganics out as the one player that could potentially move to the EPL after the performances against Leicester. And here we are, he's a free agent back in Latvia now. So that was... Uh, no, he's actually no. He's got Has a new he club. Signed now? Yes, he's, he signed for. Oh, D- brilliant! He signed for DAC, where Eric Ramirez plays for in Slovakia. Oh, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant! That was the yeah. Once they leave Ukraine, they leave my heart. So I don't know what's going on after that. Well, it's going to be interesting to see how they get on next year. Uh, Colos, who I've had the pleasure of having a look at a few times, of course, coming off the back of their best ever result in this in their history i mean magical fourth place for the the tiny village in the south of kiev region of course they're backed uh, that with vast agricultural finances behind them so that helps us to understand i mean carlos since entering professional football have uh, improved on their position every single year since joining the professional leagues in 2016 so after fourth place last season the only way is up. Are they going to get a medal this year? It's going to be tough. It is going to be tough. Goal scoring has always been a problem for Colos since they joined the UPL. And uh, last year in January, they signed Klobas from uh, Desna on a six-month contract. That failed. So he's he got booted out in the summer. His contract wasn't renewed. And they've took upon on Nuriev, the Azerbaijani, who scored a number of goals for Manai last year uh, in their uh, journey to the bottom of the league, but not relegated, as we've uh, mentioned a couple of times already. And also, uh, a good sort of a player we do like on the podcast as well, Sitchinava moved across on a free transfer from Ingolet. So they've got the two of them up front who certainly got potential to get goals and maybe score a few more than the, was it, 36 in 26 games last year, which really isn't enough if they want to challenge for the top, top three places. Defence was strong last year. It's looking strong again, as uh, Andrew mentioned earlier. Antuk's gone out from left wing. He was the only real sort of notable departure. Uh, and they've brought in a couple of extra defenders. Sakiv has come in and uh, the Belarusian Pavlovets came in on, from Rostov on loan to sort of back them up in the defensive department there. I was surprised Orykovsky was released. And now, I'm going, Andrew, you might catch me out here, but as far as I'm aware, he certainly hasn't found a new club, as I was checking up today. Uh, played regularly in midfield last year, just 20-odd appearances in the UPL for them last season. And uh, no one's picked him up, and they haven't seen to replace anybody, picked anyone up to replace him yet. So that will be an interesting one. Ray, you'll like this. Uh, their most recent pre-season friendly earlier this week, they were down in uh, Klimaninsky for obvious reasons and were beaten 3-2. But of course, Padilla had two penalties 
and they scored both of them. Uh, our penalty king, Volinets, uh, I don't know if he was in goal, but I think if he wasn't, they're definitely going to be back in goal very quickly and no one else is going to be allowed to save any penalties. Uh, but it seems that penalties are already proving a curse or a blessing, whichever way you look at it, in Colossus pre-season. So let's see how it goes there. Uh, they start European action pretty soon. The draw against, uh, I'm going to call them Star Bucharest. I apologise for any Romanians who I might offend there. Or, uh, well, the winner of their tie game, Shakhtar Karagandi from uh, Kazakhstan, will, will face Coloss over two legs in the third qualifying round. I mean, for me, that looks a winnable game for Coloss after their performance in Greece last year in particular. I, I feel quite confident that they'll they'll be able to get a result against them. Uh, quickly, guys, anybody want to offer an opinion on how Colos to win again? You know, going into that game, winnable match for them. Yeah, I think so. Um, they've signed those two forwards, and if anything, they were both, I think, the penalty takers at their previous clubs. So that's always a positive. Exactly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but that well. As you say, they've improved on every position they've ever played. I think third is still a bit of an ask. I'm not going to lie. Even though Ray predicts last year's third place, or they are going to finish in the below 10th, which I think is a very bold statement. Um, but either way, we'll, we'll see what happens there. Um, Kolos should have enough, I think. They, they've invested a fair bit. Uh, we'll, we'll see. I know that FCSB... Um, have if they make it through against that Shakhtar Karagandi, the um, the actual style Bucharest real fans. I don't know how it goes. Will be supporting Kolos, so they'll have some extra support there. <laughs> well, that's good to hear, and very diplomatically put. Of course, uh, Vorskla took the last European spot, and uh, right, they've been pretty busy in the transfer market as well this year, haven't they? And we've. KUPS, I'm not going to abbreviate it any more than that, coming up uh, later this week. Uh, it's an early start for them as well. I mean, how's uh, how they look been looking? Apart from that European sport, they also occupied our hearts, to be honest. They was the team. Uh, great style of football uh, managed by uh, Yuri Maximov. A good finish of the season. And the debut on Conference League is uh, on the cards. Uh, they've signed a few transfers, uh, sorry, a few players. Uh, one of them would be Vladislav Vakula from Shakhtar Donetsk, who is more famous as uh, a Mariupol player, uh, where he lasted, I believe, seven or ten days before he managed to make the headlines, uh, our pod included. We always like this player. He's, uh, he's kind of a... You know, you could compare him to Mudrik or any, any kind of such players. Uh, bright talent. And this is his big chance, obviously. Also, Valery Mandarenko joins from Shakhtar Donetsk, a man who recently visited Portugal. Not sure if he played that much over there, but still a good chance to restart his career. And, of course, uh, Derin uh, Saola, who is a uh, Ukrainian uh, would you believe uh, played in Kazakhstan for the last uh, couple of uh, I, be I believe for the last couple of uh, years uh, previously known as a uh, Zirka Kropovnitsky striker the club which, is, which does, not does not exist anymore and also in, um, uh, play as a player of one of the Kiev clubs um, the last signing uh, at 
for now, for uh, Worska would be Jonas Tam from Disna. And the falling Desna, letting players go. We'll touch on that later, but uh, good signing for Worska. Strong, confident before the start uh, of the European season. And uh, my hopes are going high for them again as they need to replace Dory in this top three spot. Don't judge me for that, Andrew. Very well put. <laughs> so they're going to be interesting. Guys, personal question now. Sitashvili, has he gone back to Dynamo Kiev or will he still be there on loan this season? I've, I'm a little confused. He's at Tronomoritz. He's gone to Tronomoritz now. There we go. Well, <laughs> moving on, moving on. I mean, Dnipro won. That was another team that embarrassed me last year when at Christmas I said they were my favourites for a drop after a disappointing first half of the season. But they were probably the standout team in the second half of the season with some really impressive performances. I mean, Andrew, have they been continuing on the same path? I've got high hopes for them this year. They've made a few astute signings. They've not lost anyone too key just yet in terms of, as um, Volodym has already been saying, about Dovbik's not left so far. There's been lots of linking him away from the club, but... For now, he he remains. They've managed to get uh, Mario Chuzo back, who was super in the second half of last year. Um, in 12 appearances, he's got seven goals, and he's back on loan from Dinamo Zagreb. They've also got two good goalkeepers, um, Kojaru from Vitoral in Romania, and also Yevhen Past, who's left Desna, and who's been, you know, many a person's uh, fantasy football goalkeeper stalwart for um, over the past few years. So he's always reliable for clean sheets. And they've got rid of a few of their sort of more unreliable goalkeepers. So Maharadze, Sarnavsky, who never really hit the ground running there, have been let go to Petrolika sides. Um, they've also signed Pichlionov on a permanent, which is quite rare for Shakhtar to actually let one of their younger stars go. But I mean... I think he's getting on a bit now and in general, I think it ended up being cheaper than actually carrying on loaning him every season. So they've got him on a permanent and they've also got Ignatemko back on loan um, from Shrektar for another season. So in general, they've got quite a good squad. They haven't lost too many people. They've got um, Kravchenko, Kohut still in attack to feed in. Dovbeki is still going to be there. Mario Chuzo is going to be staying which is always which is always a positive. I think in general they've got those younger players that you've always alluded to, Adam. So Guillermo mm-hmm. Luke might get some uh, better chances. Um, Bahatov, who's been playing a fair amount for the under twenty ones, would be cool to see him play a few more games for the senior team. And they've also actually got um, Nazari Rusins come in, who's mm-hmm. got a lot of redemption to do after his. Awful stint at Lechia Warszawa, um, expecting to see maybe a rebirth with him under Jovicevic. And we know that Jovicevic is a very sort of hands-on coach, good motivator, <clears throat> can help sort of get players back on the path uh, if they've, you know, strayed off it. So it will be interesting to see for sure. And, you know, we've already been talking, you know, off the cuff predictions and where these sides will finish. But for me, I think Dnipro 1 are probably my favourites for, for bronze as, as at um, a moment of recording anyway. Uh, now, uh, Vova, I'm going to 
call on you because you, you mentioned a little bit about Dovbik there. What, in your opinion, what are the chances of Dovbik still being in the Pro at the end of the transfer window? Uh, I think uh, after he scored that golden goal <laughs> against the Sweden, uh, and uh, if, if you remember in the same game was the injury of Bisedin. So the next day, and it was uh, it was so predictable. Uh, it started uh, it started the rumors about the Dobic, uh, the, he, some Italian club, Spanish club interested by Dobic, some agents, uh, games, games of agents, uh, and some rumors uh, that Dobic. Uh, so this uh, these rumors they they pushed uh, everyone, every fan. Uh, to the opinion that Dobik should replace the injured Besedin in Dynamo Kiev, and a uh, couple of uh, couple of hours after the rumors, uh, it was some information that uh, Dnipro ready to sell Dobik for five million. I think it was like the uh, it was like the signal. It was like the just signal for the one team, only for the Dynamo Kiev. Not for Spanish, not for Italian clubs. It was just a signal for the Namakiv. So if you want to buy him, give five million. And I don't know about the interest from Spain, from Italy. I know the real interest for Ghent. And Ghent uh, uh, talking about uh, Dobek like possible replace for Yaremchuk. If Yaremchuk, if they will sell to Yaremchuk to Benfica or Galatasaray or some other club interested of uh, Ukrainian international striker and also Dynamo Kiev they they thought about the Dobik but now uh, it's freeze after the Dynamo signed a couple of attacking players it's freeze and I think Dobik will um, will finish uh, like we will start new season and uh, also will play all the season for the deeper one and I hope it will be because I I I hope that good players, the great Ukrainian players, will not only play with the Dynamo or Shakhtar and also in other teams. And Andrew told that uh, he, Andrew mentioned that Dnipro won uh, his favorite for the bronze medals. Last year, it was like the same. Maybe we, we could tell that Dnipro won will play for the European Cups. But now this season, uh, the job of Juricevic and the mood of Juricevic and his team and the players uh, they saved for the club and uh, the new signings. I think uh, we can tell that Dnipro won with a real contender for the bronze. Like uh, in Ukrainian championship uh, is a small goal because second, first and second place, it's not, it's like just playing for the two teams. And so uh, this, in, in this case, I, I would like to tell, so as for me, this is the last championship where the bronze, where every club, every contender can win the bronze. Because next next season, Metalist will back. And I think the first, second and third place will be for the three teams, like uh, Metalist and Dynamo Kiev. And only Dnipro 1, I mean, in the long distance, uh, should uh, can, can uh, play with them, can compare with them, uh, for this, for the big places, for the biggest places, I mean, for the highest places in Ukrainian championship. So this is the last chance in this season is for me for Zora. 
to have the third place and personal chance for Skripnik. We don't know his future, as you said previously. We don't know his future. Maybe this is the last season of the Skripnik because his contract is till the end of the next season. And uh, Skripnik, I think he will do everything to show his team, his good team, and he is and himself personally into the Europe. I mean, for his future, for future of players, and maybe even for future of the club to to earn some money. Because there are players now talking that they are very happy. They earn some money. They will play there with the club uh, is earning money the club earning a good budget i have an interview during the year with uh, zoria vitali vernidu you can show uh, mm-hmm. at our youtube channel and vernidu also said that it will it will be a interesting new season uh, it's just one little final bit there my good friend griffin savatini after his year in scotland has officially gone back to the knee pro and he'll be i'll be keeping an eye out to see joker, who he gets joker, joker, joker. <laughs> he'll be but he'll be back he'll be back in the midfield <laughs> probably if there's a few injuries before he gets game time but hey ho. <laughs> anyway, we've mentioned there about contenders for this season's european places alexandria one of these teams that have took advantage over the last few seasons to play in Europe fell away sort of really badly towards the end of last year. Are we expecting them to compete for European places this year or are they going to drift further down and away? You know, what's going on with the new catching staff and the sort of the new model for the club? Uh, the new coach of Alexandria, Yuri Gura. He was previously coach of uh, Alexandria Satellite Ukaragrakom in Druhaliha, also under 19. Um, he was saying uh, in one of his interviews that uh, the club uh, told him to they should finish like place for five or six. But with this uh, with this quality of players, with these new players, with the signed players and players they lost, so balance of quality is not so not so big now i mean it's it's much lower and the, the budget of alexandria is much lower i i heard this like four or five times lower than it was before it's just rumors but uh, we can see about the signings we can see the politics of the club they signed uh the striker they signed the striker from genoa was previously in, in the loans. But this is like when Ukrainian club, uh, when they haven't so much money to sign Ukrainian players, it's not about just Alexandria. It's about a lot, lot, lot of clubs uh, from six players or under. When they have not, have not so much money to sign quality Ukrainian players, they started to sign some uh, players from abroad from uh, South America or Croatia, Balkanian players, and with, a, with just only one reason to resell them with the, big, with the biggest price. But as you see in Ukrainian football, it's, mm-hmm. it's not working so long. Just to talk about Alexandria, uh, just one moment. Uh, we have to see that uh, Metalist, Metalist, new metalist of Yaroslavsky, they signed it, the ex Alexandria player, Andrei Tsurikov. Ex Alexandria, he played uh, after injury in Dnipro 1 last season, and Metalist uh, signed him for the Persia Liga this season. And today, 
they uh, they given to Alexandria him on loan. So the club of Persia Liga given on loan the player uh, for the club who the coach said that they will compare for the Euro Cups. Mm. So this is like this is Ukrainian football as it is. Yeah, and uh, I think Alexandria. And if the championship will start and finish with the 16 teams, and I have a big doubt, a big doubt that Ukrainian Premier League will finish the 16 teams, I think Alexandria will be not higher of not highest of eighth place. Uh, I know the same the situation with the Desna. Desna lost of a couple of key players. Desna made some cleaning of the budget. Uh, they cleaned uh, some players. Uh, they lost some players. They uh, with the big uh, salaries. Some players of the Disna, they had a salary around fifteen thousand of dollars, and now much cheaper, much cheaper to the budget of the club to to pay them is not so. They they not paying so so much. Like they signed it, uh, ex Ukrainian international event selling. With a middle middle Ukrainian wage for the even even for the underdogs, so they they saved this now saved more players than Alexandria saved more key players, and they in this now they say that it will be okay if we if we will be at the eighth place. So this now talking more real. So they they're talking more real with this uh, with the new situation with. And Alexandria, I don't know what they want to do in the new championship. Both teams, it's just quite for me personally. I find them quite sad. I mean, Ray, you've you've looked at Desna as well, haven't you? That's what's sort of your opinion on them. I just like to add uh, that uh, I don't, I cannot remember more plain and more, uh, you know, sort of uh, uh, one-sided and uh, just uh, a club, a mediocre club. In Ukraine Premier League as Desna, because every time you see their them playing, uh, I mean, starting from their kids and, and ending with a stadium which is not finished. I mean, I feel for 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 Desna Ultras. I mean, I really understand them, and <clears throat> they had some great time uh, in uh, previous years. But we all remember this Zoria Desna game when Desna could have finished higher than they um, actually did, but they didn't take this opportunity. And since then, it's just coming back to them, you know, just backfiring. And now they lost all the key players in even in an even more uh, dreadful way than Zoria. They just uh, let some of the players go as free and some they just sold. They have a delay of salaries uh, in four months. So it explains the transfer movement, I guess. But it has been, uh, it has been the, their story since they've uh, promoted from Persia, I believe. So um, uh, their president is quite a... a amusing uh, character as well as he states in the interview that they are trying to work uh, on uh, the future of Chernihiv football and their own academy and, and yeah of course we're going to play in UPL yeah I forgot about that sorry so he's being quite sarcastic in his interviews uh, asking journalists whether they wrote about uh, their referee uh, games or uh, anything about their stadium or the city or the president of the owner of Desna who is in Moscow at the moment so it's quite uh, as I said it's uh, not the most fascinating things in Ukrainian football to be spectating Desna games 
And I would say, go so far as saying that they might uh, finish uh, lower than Zoria this season. Yeah, I personally am very worried for Desner as well. Viva. Uh, yeah, yeah. I just like to add uh, some about Desner. Um, I heard the owner, as Ray told his uh, that owner, who is in the Moscow, he was very disappointed after Desner didn't didn't uh, move to the Euro Cups, and uh, sometimes he didn't even uh, took the phone when they called from the club. And I think this is the one of the biggest reasons, maybe the biggest reason that this now will not be so, uh, I mean, will not so big uh, amount of money will put into this night and next in the new season. To add a bit of uh, their players who they let go this summer, uh, so, so uh, with their well-known players in Ukrainian football, such as Yevgen Pas, who joined Dnipro 1, Gitschenko uh, joined the Persia Liga side, Polisa Zhitomir, their captain uh, Vladislav Ogira, long-term, long-time captain, just uh, uh, left the club as free agent. Uh, most of joined Krivbaskrivrih. Uh, Imerekov joined Zorya Lugansk. Tam joined Warskla. Polihenko joined Inglets, and and that's about it. So quite a few strong players left the club. That's literally the core of their team that has been, you know, what's been keeping them, keeping them fighting for those, you know, top six places over the past few years and I think yeah as Ray and uh, Voldemov have been saying I think they're going to struggle big time this year uh, and there's no doubt about it me too, me too. and uh, with our predictions coming up later in the show guys uh, you'll see how far some of us have said they're going to fall uh, but moving out west to Lviv now there's been a lot of sort of controversy off the pitch I would say in Lviv uh, football this uh, summer in particular in the FC Lviv finally got around to sorting out their uh, new logo which has been released after a, a well-publicised campaign earlier in the year. New logo it looks quite smart in my opinion I'm not the most artistic of chaps myself so no that I quite rightly would be criticised anyway but uh, in the stadium story I think needs a little bit further sort of delving into with the I mean the Arena Lviv has been you know well renowned in 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 ukrainian football for a few years for the high rental fees they charge teams to play um with the national team playing uh, paying quite rightly a higher rental fee as well to to pay, play there as uh for their games somewhere in the region of six hundred and fifty thousand uh grievna per game i read at one stage uh but in ukraine uh Teams will really struggle to meet that sort of revenue. Play ticket prices are a lot lower than Western Europe, and attendances are a lot lower. So that sort of price isn't isn't affordable for teams to sort of carry on. And Rook uh, FC Lviv and Rook both initially looked to play at Ukraina, uh, the, the the historic stadium in the city of Lviv, and where the rental fees are a lot cheaper. But I'm going to bring Andrew in because he's, he's, he's a lot more diplomatic than me in these sorts of situations. But Andrew, you know, what, what, what happened next? Well, basically for Lviv's point of view, uh, FC Lviv anyway, it seems like they got rid of their vice president or president and then they signed a deal with Arena Lviv relatively quickly after they were um, not allowed to play 
in the in Stadion Ukraina. So basically, what happened was Stadion Ukraina, as we've already mentioned, Lviv and Ruch were meant to be playing there this campaign. Well, they wanted to. However, the UAF came out with a new list of Category Four and Three stadiums, which are the stadiums that can host top-flight Ukrainian Premier League matches. And Stadion Ukraina, which has hosted many a UPL game in the past, was not included in that. And that meant that essentially the Lviv sides had to play in the Reina Lviv, which is the only Category 3 slash 4, it's a Category 4, stadium in Lviv Oblast. We'll go on to look in a bit in terms of their attempted evasion of, of that. But Lviv in the end reached an agreement of some sort. I don't entirely know what the financial arrangement was, but they succumbed to playing at Arena Lviv and will be playing there this season. Now, on the pitch, uh, towards the back end of the season, they were one of the form teams in the UPL. We had four wins, two draws and one defeat in their last seven games. As uh, Vladimir mentioned earlier, they beat Shakhtar Donetskin in Kharkiv. Uh, in the running towards the end of the season. Now, if we go back sort of 12 months ago, uh, FC Lviv brought in a ton of players uh, at the start of last season. There was a real sort of lack of direction. Now, uh, with the new the new coach that came in in March, uh, Mr. Immortal, did I get his translation right? Yes, I did, Mr. Immortal. Uh, seems to have sort of stumbled upon a settled team. I quite like their style of football. They, you know, they sort of make the most of the poor quality players that they have there. They've uh, brought two, uh, two, two new guys in. Uh, Zazula is coming on loan from Coloss to sort of strengthen the defence. And from the Olympic Donets fire sale, they brought, picked up Politiklo. That's it. Uh, absolutely obliterate his pronunciation. But I apologise if you're listening, my dear friend. Um, the team really does look a lot more settled. They have the, the, the three guys up front who have a sort of free role to counter-attack and the other seven seven guys sit quite deep, compact and sort of restricts space for teams trying to attack them. As, you know, again, Vladimir alluded to earlier, it's sort of typical trait of Ukrainian football where you've got nine guys parked on the edge of the box waiting for the opposition to break down. But the great thing with FC Lviv now is they have the players that can grab them a few goals, especially when they've got space to exploit on the counter-attack. So I think they're going to be a lot more comfortable this year than last year uh, as well, given the sort of problems that we've spoken about with one or two of the other teams that are going to be joining, going to be in the league this year. But on on the flip side of that, Rook have, have made a few other developments, I believe, uh, after, on the pitch as well as causing a lot of controversy off the pitch, am I right, Andrew? Now you can you can go in a bit deeper with the Rook sort of stadium saga before we go into sort of what we can expect from Kozlovsky's side this season. Absolutely. So we've already alluded to the fact that Lviv were having issues with where they were going to play. Hori Kozlovsky, well-known personality of Ukrainian football, you can say very outspoken, a bit of an opponent to Andriy Pavelko. If you want to talk about that, Andriy Pavelko, president of the Ukrainian Association of Football. Basically, Kozlovsky was rather disappointed in the fact that Stadion Ukraina was removed from the Category 3-4 list. And it meant that 
it was essentially forcing Uruk to play at Arena Lviv, which, as Adam's already spoken about, have very high rent and for the money and that they're going to generate from match days or even from marketing or from anything else is not really going to be covered too well. And if I'm not wrong, Adam, wasn't it that rent this season for Arena Lviv's gone up by like two or threefold compared to where it was last year? So that's even more unfeasible. Essentially, what happened was because of this problem with the rent, etc. First of all, Uruk tried to go and play in Ternopil, which is the oblast next door to Lviv, but they were rejected from playing there because they were. It wasn't a valid reason to leave their own oblast, and you have to play within the region of your own oblast, whether your club is registered. Um, some people allude to the fact that Shakhtar and Olympic and other teams play outside of their own registered oblast. However, I think due to the war, etc., they probably have got more um, leeway in that respect. And I mean, sort of more fairly so, in my opinion. So that was rejected. And then there was they were given the ultimatum whereby... Monday of this week, so just before the UPL starts, they had to confirm what their home stadium will be for the season. And essentially the only stadium they would be allowed to play in would be Arena Lviv. They started at talks with Dynamo and wanted to rent out the Lobanovsky in Kiev. But once again, the regulation in the UAF, the official stipulation that you're not allowed to play in a stadium or in a region outside of your own region, came in. And then, as if by magic, Ruch and Arena Lviv came to an agreement that apparently was very much in favour of Ruch financially. But then Arena Lviv, the director, came out and said that it was very much financially um, favourable for Arena Lviv. So we're never actually <laughs> going to find out what the, what the situation is. However, Ruch will be playing at Arena Lviv again, whether we'll be seeing sort of marketing bonanzas as we did last season where Danilo Halitsky, the old um, king of um, Lviv region back in the day came in riding on a horse and then the horse was pooing on the sideline before the start of the game. <laughs> Whether we'll be seeing that again I don't know but in general it seems like at least there's some sort of stability and Lorena Lviv is somehow going to be able to survive another year at least with the rent of two teams there and with a few Spurna games coming up. On the pitch, though, I mean, Baruch seem to be in a stable set of affairs. I, I don't think they're going to be setting the world alight in the UPL this campaign, but they'll probably be a stable mid-table side, in my opinion. They served Alvarenga from Olympic, who impressed in the second half of last season, albeit some pretty poor performances from Olympic. But he should bring a bit of flair to the side. Orest Kozik has returned from Cyprus. He was quite a good player when he was in the UPL. Maybe he can add a few goals to Turos inexperienced attack. They've got Boryachuk up there still. Klimchuk hopefully will have a bit of a better season than he did last year. And then between the sticks, probably the biggest um, biggest signing is veteran Yuri Pankiv. Mm-hmm. Um, he's joined from Alexandria as a free. And, you know, a lot of experience been with Spiron over the past few years. I think that's a great signing. And in general, yeah, I think they look they look to be good and they probably will sign a few more players before the before the window's closing anyway, in my opinion, just to shore that up and 
continue in their positive direction where there definitely will be some more sort of controversy and probably clash of heads between Kozlowski and Pavelka as the season goes on. <laughs> but in terms of what that will be and what form it will take, not 100% sure. Uh, we can only wait to find out. We really can. Well, uh, Vova, Veres Riedna, with champions of the Persia, back in the UPL for the first time since uh, FC Lviv took their place. Now, I, I am slightly biased in all of that stuff. Uh, I how are they going to cope without the Trendex cameras this year and uh, Pavareznok in the squad for their uh, first year back in the UPL? What's How, how are they looking over there? Uh, I heard they tried to sign uh, like uh, around the seven or eight new players, new signings, but uh, they didn't have, uh, they just have like a half of this, like four players signed for today. And uh, whereas... Uh, so the head coach said that he will give the chance for the players uh, who play in the Persia Liga, the players who battled uh, and they win this Persia Liga, and of course the player will take the chance. But I also I'm in the, in the eyes of various fans. I'm like some kind of enemy because <laughs> this spring I was <laughs> first <laughs> first to tell uh, that. Uh, in five games, uh, the opponents of players, they will not happy about the referees and this, the play and these clubs. They will they told this uh, in the private uh, private talks or in the public talks. And I'm waiting how they will uh, referee in the various games in the new season in the Ukrainian Premier League because I don't know what what we're gonna do and I don't know. I hope that everything will be okay with Veras and with referee. I hope everything will be fair in this game for the new season. No problem with the referees. And, of, and especially <laughs> I hope uh, everything will be okay and uh, they will fair to Veras. So ah. this, is, this, is, this is what I want uh, to tell. But uh, talking about the football, this the second side of the mm-hmm. West. In the Persia Liga, whereas um, in the biggest uh, part of the champion, they have a they have a best uh, football, best best game, best building of the game in the Persia Liga, and uh, I think uh, if they will play the same in the same quality in the Ukrainian Championship, they can uh, like be with with this squad, with a squad like this, they can be. 10th, 11th place. Of course, they will not uh, relegate because, as we said uh, in the start of the, our podcast, nobody will relegate <laughs> again from the Ukrainian championship at 100 persons. Uh, but uh, I think uh, if the club will leave, and I, I hope uh, the time will come that Veras will play in Rivne, and they can win in this uh, 30 match days, yes, championship for the 30 match days. I think he seven, eight times they will definitely win in this new championship because uh, the opponents is not so strong. And if we talk about the lowest eight, there's a lot, lot, lot opponents. Uh, mm-hmm. I think who he, they will play worse than whereas. Yeah, they were a very strong defence as well last year. So it's the sort of building blocks are there for for a bit of growth in the UK. And just to and just to add, uh, Veres will be playing in Lutsk in the upcoming season because their stadium in Rivna is not 
finished built being built yet and just in general they they're not going to be ready to host and that's also a controversy that a lot of people were saying that why were Veris allowed to play in a different oblast but I think the reasonings were a, a lot more fairer from their point of view yeah Name, namely there isn't a stadium in the oblast for them to play in if you've been to Malinov you'll understand why as well but uh, Sean Moretz uh, took second spot in the league last year, returned back to the UPL after a few years away. Uh, you know, I I was known last year for calling Mar- Mariupol Shakhtar's under-21, so we probably should start calling Sean Moretz Dynamo Kiev's under-21s this year. Uh, certainly the Sean Moretz fans aren't very happy with uh, sort of the transfer movements of players this window, we've seen sort of Yuri Moraz. Yuri Moraz has took over as coach down in Odessa. Ray's gone down to see him, of course, down there. And uh, uh, he's took a lot of his under-21s with him, it seems. There's a, there's a number of them in there. As Andrew mentioned earlier, Sitashvili has gone. There's the names, so many names, I can't, I can't reel them all off. I even believe... Isayenko. Now, I I saw that the r- rumours, Andrew's nodding to confirm that one has gone through. There's been a lot of sort of misinformation with some of the players being sort of kept out of uh, some of the medias there, I think probably to keep some of the fans happy as well. Uh, their team last year, again, it was a strong defence that, that got them up, sort of conceded less than a goal a game, which is impressive considering they actually were beaten 4-0 as well by Veres. And uh, I think they, they're going to need that strength in defence and probably the organisation of the Dinamo Lonies in particular to do well. One player to look out for in the team, of course, Sergei Kravchenko, the, the veteran who moved there from Dnipro in the January window last year. He's, although he's 38, he's got a wealth of experience in the top flight and will probably be a good sort of level-headed experienced player with a lot of the youngsters in then this season but still at time of recording i think the team team looks short of quality as uh vladimir just said with you know veras you know they're definitely going to be bottom eight probably a, the bottom end of the bottom eight as well it's going to be going to be a tough year for them, but hopefully it'll be the start of the sort of rebirth of football down in Odessa because it's a great city and needs a needs a great club to fill that stadium. But yeah, moving on, um, moving on. Yeah, as I said, Andrew, John and Moritz have took inspiration from the Mariupol model. Is is Mariupol living up to its uh, reputation, packing itself full of Shakhtar players again? Or are we still waiting for them to travel over from from Kiev? Half and half. Their kit reveal this week saw them unveil their new technical sponsor, which surprisingly, or maybe not surprisingly for some, is Puma, which is also Shakhtar's new technical sponsor. Mm-hmm. And they've also got a new shirt sponsor, which is Parimatch, which is also the same shirt sponsor as Shakhtar. And also their home kit this year, usually it's probably orange and white, but this year it's orange and black, which was giving, you know, it's just sort of like a, it's a free punch bag, <laughs> essentially just to roll in with the jokes <laughs> that everyone reels off every 
every year and every season. To you know, to add to the actual players that have come in, they've renewed a few loans that they've had over the past few years. So players that really impressed me during the Under-20 World Cup, who are Shakhtar players, uh, Oleksii Kaschuk and Maxim Cech, they're mm. both staying for their third year in a row at Mariupol. I don't know what's going on there. Like, are they just going to be these perennial low knees and then they're going to end up going to some sort of mid-table Ukrainian club? Which is a shame because I really like the look of Maxim Cech. I thought that he might be able to somehow break into the checked out a first team in the end but probably not just based on the fact that you know coming on 22 23 it's gonna go downhill a bit and not being brazilian (laughs) exactly and then they've got um they've signed mikitse who's i think a bit of a veteran from trodna moritz he's featured quite heavily in like promos and stuff so i expect him to be uh, a bit of a key player in defense for them and they've lost Halchik, their number one from last season, to Inhulets. So we'll see how Kudrik uh, performs there. But yeah, in general, they've had an okay preseason. They've spent most of it in Turkey. Um, drew with Borsaspor 1 0, beat a Serbian team 1 0, and then played at Police Jatom. And uh, I'm not 100% sure on what the result was. But in general, they look, they look, to, be, they look to be all right. We know we were speaking last year. Um, Markevich Jr. is still the manager there. He's going to be trying to instill some sort of attractive football. They've got a few of those Shakhtar players still. I think they're probably going to add in a few more. Mm-hmm. Time of recording, there's no official um, team sheet on the UPL website. So haven't been able to confirm exactly who's staying and who's um, left in terms of those sort of loans. but. You know, we'll see 100% sure, but, you know, it's going to be another one of those. They'll be hard to beat in some games. There'll be some some sort of controversy, but nothing out of the ordinary. And there'll be those passengers, as I call them. There'll be passengers in the league, probably end up mid-table. And that's about it. Nothing too interesting from the Azov Coast, sadly. Yes, sadly is the case, sir. Hopefully during August we'll see a few more of Shakhtar's more exciting youngsters go down there because I think I'm happier seeing them on the pitch in Mariupol than sort of sitting on the bench or sitting at, sitting at Shashlivi on a match day doing whatever they get up to on the training pitch. But that's, yeah, that's a discussion for another day, guys. Uh, one of our more sort of enjoyable teams last season with the sort of draw specialist singlets with a... I can't can't quite remember if they broke the record for draws come the end of the season, but they seem to draw more more often than not. Um, but they're back for a second season in the top flight. As with Verez, their stadium isn't ready, but they've moved elsewhere in their oblast to Kripanitsky and we using the central stadium in Kripanitsky this season until the state their stadium is ready in Petrovi. It's, it's not quite up to standard yet uh, at time of recording, shall we say. Um, but the youngster, Artem Alish, the goalie, he sort of came in the back end of last season, put in some impressive performances, I thought, in uh, goal for Inglets. And I'm looking forward to watching him again this season, see, see how he gets on, see how he develops. It's one of those sort of small, small, small team player 
20 years old, 21 years old now, and let's see how his career goes. He's a name to watch out for. As we mentioned earlier and talking about Carlos, they lost Sitchinava and the second lowest goal scorers last year anyway. Losing your star centre forward is a bit of an issue. And they've brought in Sitalo on the another free transfer from the Alexandria Faisal, who in his entire career in the UPL has never scored more than four goals in a season. So I can't see him adding much. I I guess when looking at it in you know a little bit closer. He's quite hard working, offers a bit more strength than Sitchinava, who did go missing at times last season for Ingolets, even though he had the ability to score the, the exceptional goal at times as well. does look like they're going to rely on Bartolovic again. <laughs> they're going to need his, all his talent. He's hopefully going to break that record, become the, the lead, all-time leading Croatian scorer in the Ukrainian Premier League this year. We're going to be cheering him on every every second of the season anyway. You know, 40, 30, I was going to say 42 years old there. It'd kill me for that. But he's not quite that old yet. He's 34 years old and uh, I expect him to still still be playing regularly for the team they've picked up as uh, ray mentioned in the sort of the desna fire cell polahenko on the right side of the fence that's going to bring in a bit of experience in the back line again uh, work rate is what sort of the defense of desna that that sort of spine of desna was sort of famous for last year and he's going to sort of add it into ingolets which who were also you know stood out for their work rate and effort so it's going to, going to be an interesting one. It's going to be a difficult season for them, definitely. They're definitely going to be down down there come the end of the season. But hey-ho, it's it's going to be a good battle. Andrew? Yeah, and just to add to that, they've signed an ex-alliance forward, Vladislav Sharai. And I, if I remember, it was maybe not last season, but the one before that, he was scoring pretty freely in Drogheliha. Okay, <laughs> different levels of football, but... You know, he might um, come up with a few goals. I think a big loss for Inhalets this summer, though, was uh, Balan, who scored a few goals for them last campaign, quite solid defensively. He's left as a free agent, so that's going to be a negative. Yeah, it's going to be a tough season for them, for sure. Definitely. I think Polygenko's come in to replace him, which some people will argue is an upgrade. Well, hey... As we said, nobody relegates from the UPL. Last year's bottom club and I are back with us again for another season. Uh, we are, we do have good friends down there, so we hope you you don't take take our comments to heart. But Ray, over to you. Are they ready? How are they going to get on? It's hard to expect being uh, <laughs> being played this, especially tonight, about certain Ukrainian clubs. But I'll try my best. Yeah, Minai is uh, a real wonder. Uh, apart from the booking scandal with um, uh, after Shakhtar game in the very end of last season when they refused to go on to the pitch, and uh, as well as um, their managing withdrawals, they uh, sacked Coben and now he's back again alongside with their president who has been uh, facing some heavy problems uh, involving government and the sanctions from the National uh, Defense and Security Council of Ukraine. As we know from the recent news, uh, 
right before the start of the season, most of the guys who uh, were facing those charges are now back at their workplaces. So all set for Minai in this term. Not nothing, not much to tell about the transfer uh, window action as uh, they let go Milevsky, Nuriyev, and Schinder. All you need to know about it. Uh, I'm just, I'm just worried about our good friend Tertius Malepa. Is he staying? Is he, be, is he going to be leading? No, he's gone. He's, he's gone to right. Japan. Good for him. <laughs> good for him, of course. Perhaps he, he could, uh, he will meet a Minai president down there. I'm, we're not sure. And a couple of words uh, about Olympic. Where are they? They decided to fold first, but uh, after all, it's probably hard to let go sometimes, you know. And their president restarted the club in Persia Liga. Uh, they've um, swapped with Minai, which. Uh, shouldn't be even uh, play uh, be playing uh, after the end of last season but they're back now and uh, olympic will play in Persia liga we'll see if they'll try to come back to the highest tier i really doubt that uh, if we recall the Vladislav um, uh, gelzin uh, emotional speech after the shakhtar game last season probably not going to happen anymore uh, with uh, olympic in premier league so yeah, it's a bit too, it took me a bit too long to talk about Minai. I didn't, I didn't plan that uh, because uh, how, the question is, how long are they going to stay in Premier League? Are they going to be, uh, I mean, with the lowest uh, number of points, right? This is a good question, I guess, for statistics. <laughs> will be, will be. It'll be an interesting one. Just to add, Seleznov is almost certain to be signing, joining Minai ahead of the new season. They obviously are not playing in the first match day because they replaced Olympic and they'll be playing in the second match day against Alexandria or someone like that. So we can expect someone will be challenging Serhira Brov and Maxim Shatsky for that all-time goal-scoring record. I think he's already scored a few penalties in some pre-season friendlies it's looking inevitable unless he gets kicked out of the team again for some sort of drinking or other controversy. That's why I didn't want to mention him, Andrew. Thank you. <laughs> Certainly going to be a lot of fun down there in Ushgorod this year again. As controversy is pretty much guaranteed. And uh, going right from Ushgorod to the other end of the country, over to Kharkiv and uh, as Vladimir. We're going to come back to you. Earlier on, you said this is the final year before Metalist return to the UPL and take over their rightful spot in a third place or challenging for one of the top three positions. But Metalist are back this year, aren't they? Metalist 1925. Well, what's, what on earth's going on and can this Metalist survive the season? Big, big political arrival now in Kharkiv uh, coming the next uh, coming the next season and it started because uh, we have like the outfield uh, attacks uh, of the club because this is the hiding attacks yeah but we understand that the clubs these two clubs is fighting for Kharkiv I think uh, in the Metalist 1925 there's no chances for the with this metalist, with Yaroslavsky, with Krasnikov and company, because they made it that, that great metalist, and now uh, they had a they they making a great great uh, campaign 
I mean promotion campaign to, and they uh, now even now they say that we will leave the Persia Liga very fast and we will come to the Eurocups and now they prepare in Ukrainian fans I mean medalist of Yaroslavsky they prepare in Kharkiv fans that during the next two three years uh, everything will be great and at least even win some medals and maybe something more medalist 1925 in this situation uh, is the uh, underdog of the Kharkiv fans now and I think uh, this is the real story they, they thought about they thinking about the change their name, some uh, change the name of the club, change the name of the team because there are no changes for the name of Metalist in the Premier League. But they do, they didn't do it now, and I think why? Uh, because the, uh, we told uh, you talked a lot about the Chernomorets as the possible satellite of Dynamo Kiev as the Mariupol is the satellite of the Shakhtar. But with this uh, story of uh, Odessa Ultras and with this. Uh, a lot of polemic in the press and among the fans about this, we started to forget that uh, the Metalist 1925 is a satellite, is considering as a satellite of the Shakhtar for the next season. And the rumors, uh, rumors going since February, where the big amount of money somewhere, I don't know, that came to the club and club, uh, which doesn't have, as I know, which, as I heard, uh, doesn't have a task to go to the Premier League. It started to win the Premier League. It started to go in the Premier League, and all the spring, it was their uh, task to go to the Premier League. And uh, so, to be considering the new satellite of the Shakhtar, to take the young players from the Shakhtar uh, and also the coach with, of the Shakhtar system. So the same like Chernobyl Moritz and Dynamo Kiev. So that we will see how the things will move uh, with the next, I think, couple of months, and I think a lot of things will reveal. Oh, it's going to be an interesting watch, most definitely. Right, guys, prediction time. So, uh, this is where we put our necks on the chopping block, and uh, who are we going to come to first? Ray, last year, you were the only one to call Dynamo Kiev as the champions, if I, if I recall rightly. What's your top three for this season? I would go with um, Dynamo first, really. Uh -huh. uh, although we discussed some uh, playing issues of Dynamo today, I still think they need to defend the title. Uh, I believe it will be their 30th if they win, or 29th, to add this third star above the logo. We should check on that. Uh, next uh, goes Shakhtar, and the third uh, must be Warskor. Okay. Andrew? I've been thinking about this one hard and and I'm going to go for Shukhtar to win the league. I think something that stuck by me is Dmitro Drulai saying that Nuchescu was motivated by revenge to win last season in the UPL and he was just so convicted and, you know, they played out all those boring sort of relatively low scoring matches, but they got the job done. And Shukhtar were quite poor to match in terms of against the other sides. You know, we were talking about that Lviv loss. You know, I just don't see that happening this year. Just how they've been, they've not been amazing in pre-season, but already those sort of principles of passing out the back under like lots of high press and, you know, just still trying to pass it around the, the penalty area and trying to get it out without much 
confusion or anything like that. And the signings they've made too. I think that Shakhtar are going to win. It's going to be narrow though. It's probably going to be about three or four points in it towards the end of the season because Dinamo will take them there uh, because it will come down to those two Klasichners. I don't know how they're going to go entirely, but I think that Shakhtar probably going to edge it. Dinamo second and Dnipro one third. Yeah, fair enough. Bova? I think uh, Dinamo will defend the title, the Shakhtar will be second and Dnipro one will be third. Fair enough. I agree on that. I see Shakhtar winning it. Uh, I've been very impressed with their signings in particular. Uh, Dinamo second. But I'm gonna, I still see Zoria taking third spot personally. I, when I look at their squad, the players that have left in general have been replaced. And they've still got a few great strikers up front who, 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 who can get goals there. Right then, let's let's go for our, our bottom two and the two teams in the relegation playoffs. Uh, who's 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 going to be down down there? Ray, you're going to kick us off. You your bottom four, shall we say? Uh, okay, let's have. Um, I wouldn't be precise in the in the places themselves. Who goes sixteenth? Mm-hmm. Who goes twentieth? I'll just go with Alexandria. Minai, and then uh, there should be Inhulets, but they will stay through playoffs, and uh, Metalist. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yes, thank uh, you. I don't know why I didn't mention Chernomorids, but somehow I didn't. There you go. <laughs> uh, Vladimir, your bottom four. Bottom four. My bottom four is uh, Minai, Inhulets. I think uh, the Metalist and also Mariupol. Ooh. Okay, Andrew? Yeah, Minai. It's just difficult to look past them finishing rock bottom. I know they might get some positive results, but they were pretty poor all of last year. They've lost all of the good players they have had, not added anyone. So if they're not bought on my, you know, fair enough. Inhulet's going to struggle this year. Like we've said, they've got literally close to no goal scorers up there. Sitalo is not going to cut it. Then in those playoffs, probably Metalist 1925. You know, not too much quality going on. And I think it will be a, it will be tough for me to decide between Alexandria and Desna. I think Desna might end up there potentially just because there, there just looks to be something not too right. Yeah, I agree with you there. I, as a couple of us have said already tonight, it'd be interesting if 16 teams finish the season. And mm-hmm. uh, Desner, I've personally, I've got question marks against finish seeing out the season. But I've got them down in the bottom four. Minai, Metalist and Ingolets as well. But yeah, so we all see John Moretz and Vera staying up. So, right, just to finish off... Uh, the last two European spots, who do we see getting those? I, I agreed with Dnipro performing well. I had them fourth on my, my list and Kolos coming in fifth. Uh, Vladimir, who have you got taking the Conference League spots? Uh, Zoria and Warsaw. There we go. Right? Yeah, I, I got, uh, it got myself puzzled for a second, this question. Well, let's uh, go with Dnipro um, minus one and uh, Kolos. 
And Andrew? I'm going to agree with um, Zoria and Vorskla are going to finish in those fourth and fifth. Well, thanks, guys. Uh, Vladimir, thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, what's, what are the plans for Pro Football Digital over, over the season? What are you going to be bringing us this year? Uh, so, the Ukrainian Championship is especially unpredictable, substantial. I think uh, we, have, we will have a lot of scandals. We will have a lot of unbelievable... Uh, Unbelievable stories and uh, stories where the clubs where they will uh, they will battle out the field and out of the field and I think this with stories we will we will uh, start and we will cover as much as we can so this is our plans for the new season cover as much as we can. Thanks for that, Vova. Uh, we really appreciate all all, all the hard work. We really enjoyed the show and. Uh, Thank you so much for the insight tonight as well. It's been it's been great fun, and to everyone at home, thanks thanks for your support as well. Especially to those you know who've listened to the Sergey Rebrov interview so far. It's absolutely astonishing for us that our show reached number two in Ukraine's Apple Sports chart, and we're talking in English. It's 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 really astounding how far uh how that has take, been taken by the ukrainian sports media scene as well we're really grateful for all the support and feedback from our listeners now we've got more exciting interviews in the pipeline coming over the course of this season so make sure you subscribe to to us on your favorite podcast providers just to let you know that after some discussions with spotify uh they told us that they don't currently support uh, certain or all podcasts in ukraine so if, uh, we just want to apologize to any of anyone who's unable to listen to us via spotify it's out of our hands sadly but hopefully spotify will resolve this issue sooner rather than later um, if you're listening to us on apple would really appreciate a review of the pod if you're able to. Uh, similarly, if you want to get in touch or reach out via social media or via our podcast email, ukraineplusfootball at gmail.com is the place to go. And finally, before we go, shortly we'll be embarking on the Ukrainian road trip. We're going to attempt to visit every pro Ukrainian club in the space of just two weeks. We must be mad. We do need a bit of help from you, our listeners. Any suggestions on challenges that we can partake in during our trip? We've already got a few in mind, you know, beers in every oblast. We're going on a football merch hunt. But if there's anything else, then do get in touch on social media or via email. Now, thanks so much for us tonight. Uh, Ray, great insight as always. Really appreciate it. It's been a mammoth one. Uh, for guys at home, how can they follow you? Thanks, Adam. Really enjoyed this one. Look forward to the season, uh, whatever it would be. Uh, my social media outlet is Instagram, Ray Vic. And Andrew, over to you. Yep. Thank you, everyone, once again for the support over the past few weeks. I said here, above one in particular, just blew off the charts. And stay tuned with us for the rest of the season. We're going to be aiming to continue in that in that form and then that light and hoping to bring you some more great insight from Ukrainian football as we hopefully have done today and hopefully some of our predictions at least one of us gets something right from <laughs> from the so-called Ukrainian football experts <laughs> um, but yeah anyone wants to follow me Zorya Londonsk on Instagram and Twitter and as we've already mentioned about the road trip 
please do get involved if you can. And we're really looking forward to it. Uh, it's going to be a mad one. It certainly is. Uh, thanks, guys, for all the support. We really do appreciate all the comments and the feedback. And uh, you can reach out to me on Ukrafot24, of course. Uh, but till next time, we hope you've enjoyed this, this episode as much as we have making it. But take care, stay safe, and goodbye for now. It's head and knees, it's head and knees, it's head and knees.